Well, we're out of Judges chapter 6 finally, and we're going to Judges chapter 7. It's been uh, five weeks that we were looking at Gideon in Judges chapter 6, and I hope you were encouraged, and, and uh, I, I know I was, and I learned a lot um, providing it to you, and I hope you've also learned a lot uh, as well on our Sundays together. And last week, we, we looked at the battle that's within. We saw Gideon was having a battle, right? And it was a battle from within. It was a battle that he was, he was facing. And we know that some of our toughest battles are, and I said it last week, some of our toughest battles that we face are what? They're inter internal battles, right? They're not physical battles. They're not battles on the outside. Sometimes they're battles in between our own ears. Sometimes it's a battle within our own heart. Uh, sometimes we battle God, right? And that's sometimes an internal battle because God's wanting us to do something and, 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 and we don't really want to do it. And so we, we battle with God. And last week we saw Gideon face a battle before he actually got to the actual battle. And he was battling for what God wanted in his life, right? God wanted him to, to go out and face the Midianites and Gideon really didn't feel like it. He really didn't seem like that was best for him. And it's a battle that God called him a mighty warrior and he's fighting God uh, 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 for that. And last week we saw that, that uh, as God called him a mighty warrior, uh, he was getting primed for the super showdown, I'm calling it. Okay, the super showdown, playing on the Super Bowl, right? It's a super, show, super showdown versus the Midianites and the Israelites. And somehow he was able to muster this weakling, right, this, this, this weak man who, who was afraid of the, the Midianites somehow mustered 32,000 men he got together to face the Midianites, the Amalekites, and we know that all the eastern people, right? We know that they, they came together and they found, they, they formed a, a union, per se. And he was ready for battle. But his battle within was, uh, uh, his battle within was, was, was wanting to know what, what God wanted for his life. God already told Gideon what he wanted. And Gideon struggled with that. In fact, Gideon asked for a sign. God provided that. Last week, he, he asked for another sign, right, by putting the fleece out, and God provided that sign. And, and he asked for a third sign by the fleece again, and God provided for him again. God answered him. He was decisive. He knew exactly what he wanted to do in Gideon's uh, life. And here we are now. Gideon was ready for battle. You know what's interesting here is what we've seen in chapter 6. Everything we've seen in chapter 6. Some of the key elements we see is, is, is what? Gideon's weakness, would you say? Gideon was weak. He was a weak being, right? And, and we see in, 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 in chapter 6, there was a few things. We saw eliminate to what? Elevate. We saw decrease so God can increase in our lives. And we see all these things in chapter 6. But you know what's very interesting is it all comes to, to play. It all comes around in chapter 7 where we can see literally physically the eliminate to elevate, the decrease so God can increase. It all comes together in chapter 7. And what we saw uh, uh, several weeks ago was the key word for our church this year is what? Elevate, right? And I haven't, showed, I haven't shared this definition in a while, but the definition is to raise or lift something up to a higher position, raise to more important or impressive level. Amen? And the thing is, is we know that God works in our weakness. God works in our weakness. I don't know if, if there's anything more encouraging I can tell you today that in your weakness, God works. In your shortcomings, God works. In your faults, God works. Amen? And, that, and that, that's an encouraging thing to take hold of. 
And we see this morning that God is elevating Gideon. God is elevating Gideon. But we know in order to elevate, you have to what? Eliminate. Eliminate. In order for God to increase in our lives, we must be willing to decrease. And what we've seen in chapter 6 comes to life in chapter 7. It's more evident. It's more clear in chapter 7. And there's four truths I want to see, uh, I want you to see regarding uh, what God can do in our weakness and what God wants in our weakness. If you have your Bibles, Judges chapter 7, verses 1 through 3, we'll start out with. And it says, early in the morning, Jeroboam, I love how the Bible says that is Gideon, right? Like, like we forget who Jeroboam is, right? He's a mighty warrior now, okay? Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spirit of Herod, a, a spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22, say 22 with me, 22,000 men left. And, and, and it says, well, 10,000 remained. The first thing I want us to see is in my weakness, in my weakness, God wants to be glorified. In my weakness, say that with me, in my weakness... God wants to be glorified. God wants to be glorified. We see Gideon here, he's finally ready for battle. In fact, it refers to his battle name, Jeroboam, right? It says he had 32,000 people willing to fight. 32,000 people. We saw last week that the Midianites joined forces with the Amalekites and also with the Eastern, uh, other Eastern people, right? And they had 135,000 men that they, that they had. And Gideon had his 32,000 men, right? If you look at that ratio, it's a huge discrepancy. He's outnumbered four people to one. If you're in a boxing ring and you're boxing four people to one, you're probably going to lose that battle. I don't care who you are, right? You could be Muhammad Ali. You're still losing that battle. Four to one. That's what they were outnumbered. Four to one. And what's interesting here is in chapter six, God, uh, Gideon was holding up God from working. In fact, Gideon held up God for at least two days. How do we know he held up God? Because he put the fleece out one night. He got an answer. He put the fleece out a second night. He got an answer. God already spoken to that point. He held up God for at least two days. So Gideon finally gets his answer. He's finally ready to go to battle. And God says, wait, 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 wait. I know you're ready, Gideon. But you got way too many people here. All 32,000, that's way too many, Right? And it's interesting to see that God held him up. And there was one reason and one reason only that God held him up. It was for a purpose. And that held up was for God to be what? To be glorified. God says, I'm going to be glorified in this situation. He knew the Israelites. He knew their hearts. He knew what they would, what, 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 what they would think of the situation. He knew that the Israelites having 32,000 men were way too many men to go to battle. And the reason being was because they would have viewed that their victory was in their own strength and not the strength of God. They would have given themselves glorious credit instead of giving God the glory. It would have been placed upon them instead of being placed upon God. But the Israelites had nothing to do with it other than being obedient. That was it. 
The, 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 the battle was already won. It just needed a little action from the Israelites. The battle was won already, and these guys were going to go into battle and face a battle that they were down four to one and claim victory underneath their own power. And God says, no, 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 no. This is not going to happen because it's not for your glory. It's for my glory. Amen? He already told Gideon, listen, I'm giving you victory. You're outnumbered four to one. Outnumbered four to one, and he says, time out. There's too many men here. There's too many men. So what did God do? Follow me here. Remember, to eliminate, to elevate. What did God do? He eliminated to elevate. He eliminated 22,000 men. 22,000. He made the army weak. It's, it's at, right now, it's at the weakest that they've ever been. And it's all because God wants the glory. In your weakness, God wants the glory. It was through Gideon's weakness that God was able to use Gideon for his glory. What did he do to make sure he received the glory? God, it, God uh, eliminated. He eliminated so he can elevate. God told Gideon, Ask if anybody's afraid to tell them that they can go home now. I imagine Gideon is probably like, all right, I'm afraid, Lord, right? I know I would have like, hey, is there an escape clause here? Because I want to leave too, Lord. I got 22,000 men exiting the door. I want to be the 22,001 uh, man, right, and follow the other 22,000, right? I mean, that, that's just the human nature of, of it. And we can see the struggle, and we'll see the struggle here. I'm going to point to you his, his, his struggle because he still struggled because Gideon was still a man that still struggled just like you and I. And, and it comes evident later on in verse 10, and we'll get to that in just, just a second. So Gideon asked that question, and 22,000 men left. Now there's only 10,000 men. 10,000 men now versus 135,000 men. Right? Maybe, maybe they're, they're, they're good for battle, but they're not. But you see, it's at this weak point that God says, hey, listen, I can get the glory in this. I can get the glory in your weakness. It's in our weakness that he gets the glory. It's in my weakness that he can get the glory because I can't gloat on it at that point because I did not do anything, but he has done it all. It's when plan A and plan B and plan C and when plan D and plan E and plan F are all spent, we can get to plan G, which is God's plan for God's glory. Amen? So when we get to plan G, there's no other plans left, and we've spent everything else, and it's at that weak point that God says, okay, now, Dennis, now can I come in? Now can I do something in your life? Now can I work? Are you at your weakest point now? Have, I, have you eliminated enough so I can come in and I can increase and I can elevate and I can take you to the next level? At your weakest point, God will come in and say, all right, I'm ready. It's going to be for my glory and I'm going to get the credit in this. Amen? It's at that point. It's at that point he comes in and gets the glory. This week I was rushing around. It was a very difficult week. Um, you know, I'm a big Laker fan. I, my, my beloved Kobe passed. I got to throw that in there. And I, we were here. And, and, uh, and, and so, I, you know, reading things and the headlines. And then Wednesday, uh, Tuesday, my, my son hurt himself at the basketball game. And so Wednesday, I was at Kaiser. And, and I'll tell you what, if you've been to Kaiser, that place is a madhouse. 
I mean, people were just walking around. I, could, I put, parked my truck in a compact spot because I couldn't find any parking anywhere, and it was just a mess. And I had little Haley, and she wasn't uh, feeling too well, but she had a cough, and I'm like, I'm, I'm doing her a disservice of being even in here. We just got to go because, I mean, it was just completely packed. So Wednesday passed, and, and, and we got Dennis, and we're, hopefully he's on the right track, getting, getting well physically. And, and then Friday happens, and Friday, uh, uh, Haley wakes up, tells Nathania, hey, Mommy, I have a bubble in my ear. And we're like, great, she has an ear infection. And I already know that it was almost impossible to get a doctor's appointment for Dennis on, on Wednesday. And so we, we ended up getting one on Friday morning. And then I was asking for time off so I can go take her to the doctor because she had an appointment. And, and through all the hustle and bustle, then I get a phone call from Nathania that says, hey, I was in a fender bender. So I'm like, man, I got to take my, my, my daughter to the, to, the, to the hospital to find out what's going on with her hair, uh, ear. I'm on the phone with the insurance company trying to get that all settled out, you know, and, and, and just going on and on and on. I remember coming back to my office. And when I came back to my office on Friday, I sat down and I had all these notifications because I didn't bother even looking at my, my cell phone and, and uh, half the time I didn't have service at Kaiser. And I sit down at my desk and I email my supervisor, hey, I'm, I'm back at work. And of course, when you're back at work, then it's time to check your phone. So I pulled out my phone, and I checked it real quick. And, and the, the verse of the day popped up, and it's 1 Thessalonians 5.18. And it says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I screenshot it, I sent it over to Nathania, I said, it's a good reminder. And as I dwelt on that, and I dwelt on that this, this past weekend, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why in all circumstances? Because God's glorified in all circumstances. God's glorified in all circumstances. How, how can, God, how can you be glorified when I got two trips to Kaiser? I got some other trips to Kaiser for, for Dennis that needs to happen here in the next few weeks. And, and, and I got, got an insurance claim now. And, and, and all these things are happening. How can you be glorified? And I just hear, I'll be glorified. I'll, I'll be glorified in the midst of it all, in your weakest moments, in the moment that you feel like you can't take anything else on, he says, I'll be glorified. Give thanks in all circumstances, because in all circumstances, I'll be glorified. And then he reminded me, he goes, your daily prayer, your daily prayer is what? That I will be glorified, right? Yes, Lord. Every morning I wake up and one of my prayers is, Lord, Allow you to be glorified today. Allow you to be glorified today. And that's, that's my daily prayer. That should be our daily prayer. It's, it's when we feel like we can't go any further and God says, hey, listen, at your weakest, I got you. And I'm going to be glorified in it. And you're going to worship me through it. And it's all going to be okay. And it's all for my glory because I'm God. Amen? At the time, I don't think Gideon probably thought, that God was going to be glorified. How can God, I just seen 22,000 men walk out the door. But God, you say you're still going to get the glory? And Gideon doesn't even know that God wants to eliminate another 9,700 men from him. God says, I'm going to get the glory. He's probably thinking, what in the world's happening? Right? I, don't, I didn't sign up for this. He's probably thinking, Where, where's my fleece at? Because I, the dew was wrong, right? I maybe mixed it up. Something's not right here. But God says, to eliminate, to elevate, so I can get the glory. It's in our weakness that God gets the glory. 
It's in our troubles that God gets the glory. It's in our difficult circumstances that God gets the glory. It's when our back is against the wall and we have nowhere else to turn. That might be a great thing because God's going to get the glory when things do turn around. Amen? It's for his glory. When we're the underdog, it's for his glory. Then he continues on in verse 4. He says, but the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. That's why I'm going to time out, Lord. I need to talk to you for a minute. This is not right. He says, take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. I also want to say, no, Lord, yeah, we don't need to take them down to the water. We don't need no more thinning, right? We're good. Give, give me my 10,000. He says, if, if I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one, uh, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps for those, uh, from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knee to drink. The second truth I want us to see this morning is in my weakness, God wants me to trust him. It's a pure, simple, elementary, but we make it so difficult. God says, trust me, Gideon. Trust me, Gideon. Gideon's army went from 32,000 to 10. And God says, hey, Gideon, 10 still too many. 10,000 is way too many. Follow my direction. And what does Gideon do? He follows God's direction. He says, okay, Lord, I, 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 I trust you. They're outnumbered at this particular point, 13 and a half. Don't, don't ask me where the half guy is at. 13 and a half to one. 13 and a half to one, they're outnumbered now. 13 and a half. And God's saying, I'm going to elevate, uh, eliminate more. I'm going to make your army even weaker. If there was an opportunity for, for Gideon to say, time out, let me, let me pray. Let me seek you out on this again, Lord. This, this was the opportunity. But what's amazing is Gideon is learning and he's trusting, and he's telling God, okay, God, who, who are we eliminating, the 300 over here? That's what you, no, the 9,700, okay, Lord, go home, guys. 300 people, 300 people, and Gideon had to be a little confused, and, and I'll explain that to you in just a second. It's also in, in verse 10, but what God wanted from Gideon is God wanted Gideon to trust him, trust him. That's all he wants is for us to tr trust him. He tells Gideon, there's, there's too, many, too many men here. You need to eliminate them because I won't get the glory. Trust me. God tells Gideon which one will stay, which one will go, how that's done. I don't know if there's anything biblical in terms of laughing like a dog and getting down on your knees and drinking. You know, some say because the ones that went down the knees and drunk, they couldn't see the opposition around them, so they wouldn't make good soldiers. I don't know if there's anything uh, to do with that, but, but that's what some scholars have said. But all we know is Gideon did it, and Gideon was obedient. Now he's down to 300 men, 32 to 10, down to 300. You know, a lot of times we look at size, in size, we always think size is strength. The bigger we are, the, the, the better we are, right? 
And that's not necessarily true because, because bigness or, or, or being large is, is, could be a hindrance. And the reason being is because the more we have, the less we rely upon God. The, less we, the more we rely upon our resources and the less we rely upon God. It's harder to trust God with many different resources. I think about the Apostle Paul who has the thorn in his side and why was that thorn given to him? Because I think Paul, I mean, come on, Paul, Paul was awesome. And, and God provided him with a thorn to say, listen, hey, remember in your weakness, I'm strong. Gideon was reduced to 300 men. Now he's outnumbered. Remember it was 4 to 1 to 13 and a half to 1? Check this number out, 450 to 1. 450 men versus 1. His army is less than 1% of its size when he started. 32,000 men, 1% would be 320 men. Gideon has 300 men. Less than 1% of his starting size. They're at their weakest point. And it was done here for them to totally trust God. Look at what Zechariah 4, 6 says. Not by might, nor by power, but by the, what? Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Not by might, not by power, not by size, not by strength. It's, round, it's won by the Spirit, he says, right? If that's true, if we believe that scripture is true, you know what that means? Smallness doesn't matter. Size doesn't matter. Your insecurities really does not matter. Your shortcomings really don't matter because it's not by strength, it's not by power, it's not by size, but he said it's by the what? The spirit of the Lord. Who led, who led Gideon to battle? The spirit of the Lord, who who won the battle, 300 men versus 135 Midianites? It was the spirit of the Lord. In fact, they never even touched a soul. God put it all into place. Amen? Size doesn't matter. Psalms 20, verse 7, the psalmist writes, Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. We trust in the name of the Lord of our God. Smallness doesn't matter. Let me tell you this. If smallness mattered, Gideon would have lost the battle. If smallness mattered, David would have lost against Goliath. If smallness mattered, Moses, the accused killer who couldn't speak and couldn't do anything right, wouldn't have rescued the hands of the Israelites from the hand of Pharaoh if, the, if it mattered. Because each of these individuals were weak. Each of these individuals at one point or another, or we can even say holistically, totally, were weak when you think about Moses, right? He, he claimed weakness all the time. They were weak. But somehow it was in their weakness that God was what? Was strong. And you know why he was strong? You know how that happened? Was because each one of those individuals trusted God wholly, entirely. They trusted God. God. They had one thing in common. It was their trust in the Lord. Now, did they struggle with it? Yes, they struggled with it. I'm not going to sit up here and lie and say they did everything perfect and they never struggled with the fact uh, that what God wanted because that's a lie. They struggled with it. They struggled with it just like we struggle with it today. 
But the difference is they came to a point that says, in my weakness, I am made strong. So you know what? In my weakness, I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. Deuteronomy 7, 7, this is how the message translation. I love this translation. It says, God wasn't attracted to you and didn't choose you because you were big and important. The fact is there was almost nothing to you. He's talking to about the children of Israel. But that, that's referred to us as well. He didn't choose you because you are big and important. He wasn't attracted to you because of that. The fact is there was almost nothing to you, which means what? In your weakness. In your weakness. God was with them in their weakness. It's in their, our weakness that he says, hey, hey, listen, trust me. A small voice in you, trust me. It's not a booming voice. God's not going to be like, trust me, right? He's going to, trust me, Lord. Trust me. Just trust me. Judges 7 through 12, he says this. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. Pay attention to 9 and 10. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up, go down against the camp, because I'm giving to, going to give it, to you, uh, give it into your hands. Verse 10, if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Purah and listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Purah, his servant, went down to the outpost of the camp. The Mianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern people had settled in the valley, thick as locusts. Their camels could not more be counted than the sand on the seashore. The third thing is, in my weakness, God wants to work. In my weakness, God wants to work. So God told Gideon who to send home and who to keep. He now tells Gideon, what did he tell Gideon? He says, I'm going to work in your life. I'm going to give you the Midianite into your hands. I'm going to work. Verse 7, he tells them, 300, by the 300, you're, I'm going to save the Israelites. And I'm going to hand the Midianites into your hands. God confirms what he's about to do. But in verse, verse uh, uh, 9, we see, it says, during the night, the Lord was said to Gideon, get up. He says, get up, go down to the camp, because I'm giving them into your hands. He says, go down to the camp. I'm giving them into your hands. Attack the camp, because I'm giving them into your hands. Go get them, because I'm giving them into your hands. All you have to do is go down and attack. Boom, and they're yours. The battle's won. But then he says in verse 10, you catch that in verse 10? He says in verse 10, if you are afraid to attack, Gideon struggle. He's, he's still struggling. God knows Gideon. God knows the struggle he's, he's facing. He says in verse 10, if you are afraid to attack, Go down to the camp. Listen to what they're going to say. Listen to what the word is on the streets. The key word is, if you are afraid. He was struggling. He was struggling. How can I, my 300, I trust you, Lord. 
But how can my 300 come against this 135? In verse, verse 9, he had to go in. Go in. He, he had to, okay, he had the green light. He could have attacked right there. He could have won the battle. It could have been over. But in verse 10, he says, listen, Gideon, I know who you are. You know who you are. If you're afraid, listen to what they have to say. And then you'll have the confidence to attack them. It means as a warrior of a man still was fighting the battle from within. He still had his doubts. He still had his concerns. And God is saying, listen, I'm encouraging you. I'm there to encourage you. I'm there to give you an assignment. So what did, Gideon, what did God do to Gideon? He didn't get frustrated with him. He didn't toss up his hands. He didn't call him names. He didn't make fun of him. He encouraged Gideon. He said, afterwards, verse 10 continues, he said, afterwards you will be encouraged. You will be encouraged to attack. You had the green light in the beginning. But if you doubted me, you're going to hear why you should attack. You're going to hear why what's going to happen. He wants to work, amen? In our weakness, we must recognize that God is still working in your life regardless of what it looks like. At this point, it looked like failure for Gideon. He had 300 versus 135,000 men. They could have chopped that up and only brought 2% and you would outnumber two, two to one or greater than two to one. Way greater than two to one. It didn't matter what it looked like. What mattered was God was still working. God is still working. God is still working in your situation. God doesn't give you something and then leaves you and says, fend for yourself. He says, listen, I want you to do this. But listen, if you're afraid, just listen. Just listen. Listen to him. He's going he's gonna to provide a way. He's going to give you reassurance. He's going to give you some encouragement. He's going to say, hey, listen, trust me. I'm still working. I'm still working. I'm not done. Trust me. God can work in our weakness. The last thing I want us to see, verse 13 through 15, he says this. He says, getting arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. Listen, listen how great God is. I had a dream, he, he, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such a force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshiped. He returned to the camp of Israel, called out and called out, get up. The Lord has given the Midianites camp into your hands. Who could put that together? You know who could put it together? A perfect God. In my weakness, God is perfect. See, we strive so much to be perfect in life. And when our imperfections show, it hurts us. But it's in our weakness that he becomes perfect. It's our weakness that he becomes strong. You have the situation here, and who's Gideon? He was a man we met 
six weeks ago who, who, who was in the wine press. Threshing wheat in a wine press because he was so afraid he couldn't thresh wheat on the threshing floor. There's, there's a weaking, weakling person. Somehow it, it got word and then this dream was interpreted that they called Gideon by his name, the son of Joash. This wasn't Gideon, whatever. This was Gideon, son of Joash they're talking about. This was Gideon. And they're saying that God is going to deliver us into the hands of of the Israelites because of the sword of Gideon. Who can put all that together? God can. In the weakness, in our troubles, God can come in and provide perfection. His timing is perfect for a perfect battle, for a perfect victory. And all it required was one thing from Gideon, and that was obedience. That was action. All it was, he heard it, he received it and required just, just all it required was action. All it required. God was ready. He had everything planned out. He had everything planned out to perfection. All Gideon had to do was attack. You know what's interesting, and we're not going to go into it, but you can read it on your own time, is God never told Gideon how to attack. He never said, get the jars with fire and split up, you know, your, 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 your people in the three groups of 100, he, he never said anything like that. But you know what? At this point, he trusts God, and he was led by God. And even though we don't have the written word of what God said, I can imagine that God impressed himself how to go ahead and attack, a perfect attack, perfect attack. And all of a sudden, they just turn on each other, and they flee, and they get their freedom. Because God is perfect. Amen? How can God, an imperfect man, I'm sorry, how can Gideon, an imperfect man, be used by God? Because God is perfect. How can, how can God use an imperfect dentist to bring his perfect will? Because God is in me. He's in you. His perfection is through us. Amen? It's in our weakness that God shines. It's in our weakness that God is perfect. There's a song. We all know it. Well, I think we all know it. Jesus loves me. And it says, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Thought about that this week. At a young age, we were taught that this person can't do it. That I'm weak, but it's in my weakness that he is strong. Amen? This morning, I don't know what showdown you're facing. I don't know what challenges you are facing in your life. I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you feel strong or feel weak. You know. But in the areas you feel weak, know that God is there to say, hey, in your weakness, I'm strong. There's areas that may, you may feel strong at, and maybe you just need to become weak at it. Because being strong hasn't got you anywhere. And sometimes we have to decrease so we can increase. 
Sometimes we have to become weakened so he can work in and through our lives. Stand with me today as I close in prayer. Remember that. It's in our weakness that he takes us to a whole different level. Amen? Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord Jesus. I thank you for your word. I thank you for those truths that you've given to us this morning to remind us that you want our, our trust. You want the glory. You want to work through us in our shortcomings, in our downfalls, in our weakness. We come to you as broken people, weakened people. And we can't do this life on our own. We can't do this life by ourselves, but we need the strength from you. I pray, Lord, that this week that you remind us of that. When we're feeling discouraged, when we're feeling weak, when we feel insignificant, when we feel like we can't push forward, Lord, remind us that in our weakness, you're strong. Remind us, Lord, by that quiet voice that says, just trust me. Let us trust you this week, Heavenly Father. Let us be strong, Lord, in your strength, in your power, by your spirit. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for ones that are here, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the word that was spoken over us today. And I pray, Lord, that we leave this place today not saying, hey, that's a good message, a good word, but we apply it to our lives. We meditate on it this week, Lord. Protect us, keep us safe, Lord, in this world, Heavenly Father. Be with us as we return next week. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. We give you the honor, for you are worthy of it all. And the church says, amen, amen. God bless you. Three o'clock, Niners, Kansas City. If not, we'll see you next Sunday. God bless the church.